Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. And I'm David. Today we are joined by our friends at Great Lakes Clinical Trials, Steve Satak, President and Founder, Amber Holst, Director of Operations, and Dr. Manish Jain, one of the principal investigators at Great Lakes Clinical Trials. Dr. Jane has been leading the COVID-19 trials at Great Lakes and is a board certified rheumatologist. Welcome everyone. How are you all doing today? Hey, we're, doing, we're doing fantastic. Doing great. <laughs> doing very well, thank you. <laughs> Amber, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, last time we had you guys on from Great Lakes Clinical Trials, we didn't get uh, too much into your journey and how you came to Great Lakes. Uh, would you mind giving us a little a bit of your background and uh, how you became the, the current director of operations? Uh, so it was actually last time we were on the Always Andersonville podcast, we were talking about the Alzheimer's Awareness Day in Chicago event that we were doing at the Swedish American Museum. So that was actually my first week or two uh, of being here at Great Lakes. So I had the honor of meeting Steve uh, by volunteering for the Swedish stage at Midsummerfest as MCs for the past several years. My background is in uh, marketing. I was most recently, before coming here, vice president of a visitor marketing company in the city of Chicago. So after 15 years of doing that, which I loved, uh, for me, it was time for a change and a new challenge. It's nothing like career changing at the age of 40. <laughs> so, you know, I met Steve. I, I believe in the science. I believe in the work that we do. And it was just a great fit to translate my experience in terms of management as well as with marketing to an industry that I am passionate about and that provides me a different kind of, um, you know, balance. So it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I'm also an Edgewater resident, so being able to walk to work is also an added bonus. I don't much like leaving my bubble, and I don't have to. So it's a win-win. Well, we are so lucky to have gained you in the Andersonville family, Amber. And I know we've highly enjoyed your emceeing talents, both you and Steve, at Midsummerfest and especially appreciated them during virtual at home, uh, Andersonville at home Midsummerfest this season. So thank you. Um, now I'd like to ask you, Dr. Jane, um, a little bit about your background as this is the first time you've been on our podcast. And we understand you have your own private practice at Damon and Wilson, and you're affiliated with several local hospitals, including nearby Swedish hospital. Can you tell us a little bit about your career and how you came to work for Great Lakes? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a rheumatologist, uh, and I can kind of dive in a little bit deeper into what that means. But basically, I am a total Chicago guy. I was born and raised, kind of bounced around the suburbs of Chicago, went to Northwestern for my undergrad, went to Rush for medical school, uh, decided we had to finally get out for a little while. So left um, to do uh, my training in internal medicine and rheumatology out of state. And now I'm back. I have a really busy practice focusing on patients with autoimmune diseases and various types of arthritis. Um, Steve and I started collaborating at Great Lakes. I think it's been, gosh, I think it's been four years now. We just had like our uh, patient come up with a four-year uh, visit, one of our trial patients. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun um, kind of entering this clinical trial space. And, uh, you know, we have a number of studies running across different types of autoimmune disease, such as rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. And really, really interestingly, over the last six months or so, have started to um, 
serve as an investigator on, on trials against the uh, coronavirus. And I'll be happy to kind of speak to more of that. I think you were looking for a short introduction. I think I'm going into a long one, so I'm going to be quiet now. No, that's actually perfect. And yes, we'll be getting to more questions about your COVID trials in a moment, but I'm going to throw it back to David here. Hey, Steve, welcome back uh, to the podcast. Before we were uh, talking about the incredible uh, trials that you do for Alzheimer's uh, and Alzheimer's research. Um, so we're happy to have you back to speak about your latest research and testing being done on COVID-19. Why was it important for you to pivot during this time to go from uh, Alzheimer's to uh, really taking head on this COVID crisis? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, you know, it was it was kind of a um, a decision we made kind of on the fly. You know, when the pandemic really kind of hit um, ourselves as well as most research centers around the country were kind of taken aback. There were state home orders going on all over the place, and you know, most places that I know that um, that weren't Great Lakes I ended up kind of closing down for a period of time. Um, Amber and I sat down with some of our, our leadership here. And we talked to our attorneys, we talked to um, people at the Chicago Department of Public Health, and they deemed us to be a um, essential business in the city of Chicago. Um, so we actually never shut our doors through the entire stay-at-home order. We actually were serving um, the patients that um, we had been caring for for uh, a number of our clinical trials. We mentioned Alzheimer's disease, but we're also doing work in depression, arthritis, um, cholesterol, a lot of other areas. So we stayed open that whole time. But certainly our business model kind of like shrunk. We weren't as busy as we were. And as we sat back and we saw all this research happening um, nationally and, and globally, um, we thought to ourselves, and Amber and I looked at each other, we're like, you know what? Frankly, nobody knows how to do COVID research right now. It was a new thing for every research site across the globe. And we here at Great Lakes are pretty much experts at knowing how to do clinical trials. And knowing that Dr. Jane is such an um, advocate for, for the community as well, we all kind of partnered together and said, hey, we can make a difference here and we can do it. So we really pivoted our entire business model and started looking at these COVID-related trials. And we'll get into the, the details a little bit later about what types of trials we're, we're doing. Um, but it was just kind of like we, we, we seized the opportunity said we can actually sit back and just let this you know, pandemic kind of run by us and then we'll play catch up down the road or we can run alongside it and actually lead it and try and actually make a difference for our community. Um, all of us kind of live in the area and work in the area and we just, we want to actually make sure that Andersonville is kept as COVID safe as, as possible. So that's why we kind of dove in and just did it for the right reasons. Well, thank you so much. I know in another conversation, Steve, I'm going to throw this to you and Dr. Jane, you kind of explained to our Andersonville chamber staff that Great Lakes is currently overseeing, I think you said nine different. Yeah, it's, it's actually 10. We got our 10th now. So we're at 10 trials. Can you just run us, either of you, whoever feels yep. more appropriate in taking that, kind of what are the trials, what's the difference between the trials, and can you tell yep. us a little bit of the difference between the various COVID tests? and the? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we'll kind of break this in. I think um, we'll just break this out into sections. I can tell you a little bit about our um, our trials that we have, and there's a progression. Um, it's, we can start talking about the 
health, healthy volunteer trials and go kind of into the sicker COVID trials. And um, Dr. Jane, if you want to kind of talk about the inpatient at that time, that's probably the best um, suited for you. And then Amber has a, a pretty good um, working knowledge of the, um, the tests that we do and how we actually are testing the community. So I'll start by just talking about the, um, the types of trials that we have that are for the healthier and the, the mildly um, symptomatic patients. Um, you know, Amber and I were kind of thinking about this just the other day with the portfolio of studies that we have. Almost everybody in the community that's over the age of 18 can participate in a, in a clinical trial one way or the other. And so the first trials we have are these healthy volunteer um, studies. These are for people that are home. They're not experiencing any symptom, um, but they want to get involved in research. They want to make a difference to actually get some, move, some, uh, move the medicine in the area of COVID. And those are really the vaccine trials. Um, we have um, two studies for vaccine that have been awarded to us and possibly a third. They're all starting at different times and not overlapping. Um, but a healthy um, individual over the age of 18 can come to us and get involved in a, a vaccine clinical trial. Um, so that's for the healthier individuals. Then we move to people who are at home who might be kind of, kind of starting to, to experience some symptoms of, of, of um, COVID, such as having shortness of breath, an elevated temperature, um, fatigue, um, headaches, that sort of thing. So if you're at home and you're kind of starting to feel like mm, something's not feeling right, we have a couple of different types of trials for you. Um, the, what I find the most exciting, and Dr. Jen can even touch on this as well, is we are doing some studies for individuals who just get treated, I'm sorry, just get tested, that when they get a positive diagnosis, they can actually receive an immediate treatment. Um, and this treatment is investigational, it's something we're studying right now, but it's a medication that is meant to actually suppress the virus and slow down the duration um, and reduce the duration of symptoms. So, you know, right now, we you look at it right now, if you go to your urgent care and you get tested and you get the results a couple of days later, They'll just say, stay at home, quarantine, wait it out. If it gets sick, go to the hospital. Our counter to that is, hey, if you find out that you test positive, you could actually be on a treatment that could potentially suppress the virus and hopefully stop you from getting to the symptoms that you have to be hospitalized for. So um, that, those are our treatment studies for people who actually have a, um, a positive um, diagnosis. Let me just real quick interject, you know, that, that study, you know, it, it sounds so cool in this abstract sense, but, you know, just to really bring it, bring it home, the study, the, when you read in the New York Times uh, an exciting new study or a, a branch of study in monoclonal antibodies, I think it's really, really important to recognize these aren't studies that are being limited to the university setting. The same studies that you're reading about in the popular press and, um, you know, in the New York Times, for example, about monoclonal antibodies, these are the studies that Great Lakes is bringing to patients. So that study Steve was referencing was, um, was for that exactly, it's just monoclonal antibodies. So again, this is stuff that is out there in the press. Um, and I think there's a perception that these things just aren't available in a community setting. And that's what Great Lakes and, you know, organizations like it are for us to bring these studies into the community for people who need them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, uh, Dr. Jane. You know, and, and Joe, you might remember for the last, last time we were on this, um, on the podcast, we talked about getting people more aware of what we do at Great Lakes. And one thing that we, we have not overcome yet is people, you know, somebody came up to us just the other day and thought that we're just doing these COVID studies, we're developing the products and doing the studies ourselves with a medication that we developed. 
That is so not the case. We're actually doing the same research that's being done at Rush, at Harvard, at Johns Hopkins, at UCLA, um, and actually across the globe at Oxford. Um, we are doing the same research that's being done at the biggest institutions around the country, but we brought it home here to Andersonville. So we, we always say this, we bring research to a community as, as opposed to expecting a community to come to research. So that's a great point to, to make, Dr. Jane, is that we are part of a larger program just offering easier, convenient access to this, um, these, these uh, medications. So, um, so the other just um, the other types of studies I want to talk about about people who are at home who might be symptomatic who don't even know if they have COVID, um, the virus or, or not, they could come to our center and we're doing a couple of studies that are called diagnostic studies. These are studies where you just come in and we're we're using a new tool for being able to diagnose um, uh, COVID. Uh, for example, you might have heard about some places that have these saliva tests um, that can, might be able to, to determine if you have COVID. We're actually we're testing to see if those are valid tests. So we use the gold standard, such as they call it PCR. That's the the deep nasal swab that you've heard so much about on on TV and radio and in the news. So we'll do a nasal swab and then we'll do a saliva test and we send both of those away to a lab and then they come back and we're able to see if they, they match up or not. You get the results of your test within a couple days. Um, so you're, you're getting your need in that you're getting your diagnosis, but we're also helping research so that we can develop a test that's a little bit more easier to use um, than actually having to do a, what we call a nasopharyngeal um, swab, the deep nose swab. So we're, we're actually doing those studies. And we have another study for anybody on the podcast that actually uh, works in Chicago or, or lives in Chicago and works in Lake County or lives in Lake County and works in, in Chicago. We're doing a study um, that's very similar to that. We're actually testing individuals repeatedly over the course of a year, um, but you have to actually live or work in Lake County. And, um, and that's just a test to see what the infection rates are in the community, what are the reinfection rates, what are um, your antibody buildups and how long do your antibodies stay built up and how, when do they start to decline? It's kind of a cool um, epidemiological study um, that you can join. But again, you have to either be a Lake County resident or, a, um, or work in Lake County. So we're hoping that there's some individuals down here who actually fit that, that bill. So those are the, the studies that we're doing here at our outpatient clinics. Um, I'll let Dr. Jane talk about the, the studies that we have lined up for some of our hospitals that he's the, the principal investigator on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think maybe before I speak to that, I can just kind of speak to how I got into the space and why on earth would an arthritis doctor be uh, you know working on coronavirus trials. And so I can tell you at the start of the pandemic, um, you know, it was a really uh, personal, um, you know, circumstance for me that, you know, like many doctors, many of my good friends and colleagues and family members them, themselves are doctors and many of them are on the front lines. And, you know, I'm a rheumatologist. I take care of people usually in an outpatient setting. Um, and we were kind of living separate realities, uh, us outpatient doctors uh, from our inpatient colleagues, you know, our inpatient colleagues, especially at the real height of things here in Chicago, you know, I'm thinking like April and, and May, um, you know, they were really getting beaten up pretty bad. And um, I, I felt like I needed to step in and I needed to help with any way I, I, I could. Obviously, I have my own patients and, you know, my patients can be sick and, and have their own issues to kind of, you know, shepherd through. I run a, basically my own small business in the form of running a, a practice. 
Um, but I just didn't feel like that was enough. And so, you know, um, because it's hard for community centers to often jump into clinical trials because they just don't always have a lot of experienced investigators, that and the fact that many of my kind of medicines that we use for different types of arthritis are being actively studied in the COVID space, um, that's kind of how I got into this, um, into this area. And so I can kind of, you know, highlight a, a couple of the big studies that we have going on or that we'll be uh, enrolling. Um, remembering that with this virus, there's two distinct problems. There's an actual viral problem or a viral phase, but that's just kind of the start of COVID-19. The second problem, which we think is actually the bigger problem, is this issue of hyperinflammation, or you may have read about in the popular press, this concept of cytokine release syndrome. And so we know that this virus inappropriately activates too much inflammation in the body. And that inflammation kind of run amok is what's leading to a lot of the organ damage. So for example, uh, the pneumonia that's associated with, with COVID-19 can be a really a, a, a real consequence of all that hyperinflammation going on. So pretty early on in the pandemic, a number of medicines that are used to block inflammation in other disease states, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, were considered to be um, pretty effective targets to go after. And a lot of the initial studies that came out of China, um, you know, really small, small studies, um, really kind of suggested in small patient populations um, a, a good effect. The problem when you take a, a study done in a small patient population you have to confirm these results in a, in a larger group of people. And I think there's no better example of that than hydroxychloroquine, right? This very politically charged medication that um, came out really at the start of the pandemic in a small study as being a potentially good medicine or effective medicine. And then in multiple large studies came out as, as being kind of an ineffective treatment. So the studies that we have specifically, um, one, the biggest one that we're running right now is uh, for a medication called baricitinib. Baricitinib is a medication that is FDA approved um, here in the United States for rheumatoid arthritis. It's got other indications um, across the globe, across inflammatory diseases. And we think that baricitinib has the potential to both block the virus from entering the cell but also help prevent some of that high inflammation that happens in the body. So this is an internationally enrolling study. Baricitinib's gotten a little bit of popular press. Um, uh, there was a larger NIH study that just wrapped up a couple weeks ago that did um, have some positive results, at least in a press release. I think we're all anxiously awaiting the, the data and the publication. Um, and so beyond baricitinib, we've got some other medications also um, blocking similar molecules within rheumatoid arthritis. Um, believe it or not, some medicines that are used in psoriasis that may have some, um, have some utility in, in blocking this inflammation. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And again, we're trying to connect um, these targets and these therapeutics with the patients who need them and who need them in a, in a community setting. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out, I don't know if it was clear there, is that, you know, Dr. Jane being on um, staff at Swedish Hospital has actually been able to forge a great relationship with, with the 
um, the heroes that work over there. Um, we at Great Lakes have had a, um, a working relationship with them and their, their staff for, for many years since we've actually been um, founded. Um, we work with their imaging center, we work with their labs, but we've never really done any inpatient studies there. So Dr. Jamie and our staff there has actually allowed us to actually forge that relationship. And so we're working with his colleagues who are actually on the units um, at, at Swedish to be able to collect some of the data for the patients who are, um, who are being admitted for COVID-related symptoms. So um, it's kind of exciting. We have um, currently one study enrolling there right now, and we have two studies that are in startup um, for that. So it's, it's really exciting work, and I, you know, I, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We're very fortunate to have such a, a fantastic hospital like Swedish Co um, Covenant, which is now called Swedish Hospital, um, in our community to be able to serve um, serve us. Yeah, I know we are so lucky, and I know uh, the chamber has a great partnership with Swedish too, with the Clark right up the street, and just um, so grateful to have such a, a strong team and strong healthcare facility so close at hand. Um, so thank you, Dr. Jane. I think that was the most thorough explanation I've I've heard yet about the difference between the types of treatment. And you, you hear all these stories about people's reactions being so different to this virus. And thank you. That was that was super helpful. Um, see now you now you see what I get to deal with on a daily basis working with this man. I get to actually kind of like get all this great information. It's actually a, a kind of an honor. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm being more pleasant on this podcast. Steve, Steve has to see my, um, <laughs> <laughs> my history bit, so yeah. That's our job, right? We're trying to keep it a little bit light, but informative. And I mean, it's been such a weird six months for everybody. So as we like to point out regularly on this, we're recording via Zoom for a reason, right? This is not what we used, you know, we used to record it in a studio and it was a lovely studio and we we're all super close in an enclosed room, which just sounds like a nightmare now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So thank you so much. And, um, yeah, Joey, you had some questions earlier about, um, just, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you had some questions earlier about the testing that we're doing. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I should have passed the, the baton over to Amber to do her little spiel on, uh, on what we're doing and what sort of test systems we do have at the, at the clinic. Perfect. And then I know that's also a segue for later, talking about the partnership for the uh, fabulous, hardworking industry folks uh, and the testing that's made available bi-monthly here in the community. So as of right now, as Steve mentioned, you know, if you're not feeling well, um, I mean, let's be real, who doesn't have a reported, you know, COVID symptom? I mean, I regularly have muscles aches and feel fatigued or have a headache. Welcome to aging, right? Um, but, you know, should, should you feel you have a symptom presenting and that you may be at risk um, or potentially? been exposed, that type of thing. Well, Amber, I mean, think about it. It's going to be huge coming into effect with the, oh. with the flu symptoms coming in uh, yes. the season right now. So people are going to be experiencing this quite a bit. Exactly. And we're going the new phase. Um, <laughs> we're going from 25 to, what, 40% uh, occupancy indoors now. Um, so any, anyway, if you have a symptom, um, one of the tests that we have, uh, it's a Quidel, uh Sophia. It's an antigen test, but it gives results in 15 minutes. Dr. Jane, I'm sure you can talk to the um, reliability of it, but it's kind of, it's an FDA approved analyzer. Uh, it is a nasopharyngeal swab, so you will get the wonderful, I just got water up my nose, uh, burning sensation. Uh, but you do get results in 15 minutes. The one thing
that you do is before we do any type of procedure with you, we always consent you first. We just want to make sure you understand what is going to be done and that you're comfortable with us performing that. Um, but again, you get results in 15 minutes, super easy. Should you come back positive on that test, that's when I would want to have a conversation with you to see if you would want to join one of the treatment studies. You're not obligated to do it, but I think, you know, educating you that this is an option. You can take information to read home. Your choice. The second thing we're doing, and I know Steve was mentioning this before, we're trying to kind of figure out and what other ways, particularly, I mean, nobody wants to like stick the fair swab a child, you know, kids come back to school, we're not cruel people. Uh, is there a like less invasive but equally accurate way to be able to, you know, test different populations uh, or just sensitive individuals? So the fact that we can compare and you still get the results of the deep swab with they just call it like a nary swab. So it's basically taking a Q-tip and rubbing it on the insides of your nostrils, right? And then the other one is you spit in like a little tube. And then we send those off just to see if the less invasive nasal swab and the spit, if it matches what the results were for what we know is the most accurate test. So I forgot to mention this too. Any type of clinical research studies they, they do reimburse you for your time and commitment to being in the study. Um, so that's not, we don't always like to lead with that because that's not why we want someone to join a clinical trial. Um, but it is, I think, worth noting because um, sometimes that can be a motivating factor, especially now <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, but the diagnostic one um, with the spit test, that one is, is not reimbursed, but you get your results in two days. And I think ultimately, you're helping us find a better way and a less invasive way to be able to accurately test individuals, which when we're getting back to whatever normal is, they're all going to play a key part in that process. So Yeah, I think that was great. And just a couple points I would make as a physician is, you know, to have a rapidly available test is so, so important. You know, the testing really becomes meaningless if it takes days or even weeks to, to resolve. And there have been many points of this pandemic where we uh, have had to wait that long to get the test results back. I have a colleague who himself is a dermatologist who himself was worried he had COVID. He got tested his results took 21 days to come back. That's not, that's not a useful <laughs> test. He was long asymptomatic after that point. So to get test results back quickly is really, really important. And I think to have it across these different modalities, be it like a deep, you know, brain biopsy type swab versus um, the, the other types of uh, testing, like the you know, spitting in a cup is really, uh, is really, really important. Sorry, my, my dog is uh, barking. Your dog agrees. Well, dog agrees with you. <laughs> um, and so the uh, the other thing I was going to say is the, uh, you know, the the way out of this pandemic, there, there isn't going to be a miracle drug. I mean, listen, we're all working hard on trying to find a therapeutic that's going to lessen the burden of this illness. But the way out of this pandemic is with testing, testing, testing. We've got a really flood um uh, you know, the population with, with tons of tests and easy to do tests and tests that are rapidly available. Um, and so I think this is just, this is as important as any therapeutic that we're looking to looking into is, is all this testing. Yeah. yeah and I, I mean, I definitely heard, I, I mean, just listening to the news this morning that like, 
you have to treat the whole person and every case is so different. So I think it's so important that you have all of these varieties, right? So I guess my question as a, as a listener, so as a listener, first step, like I want to get involved. I'm either asymptomatic. I want to start with that, or I think I have some symptoms. What is my first step? Do I visit your website? How do I, how do I get started? Yeah, that's Amber could probably take Yes, that. certainly. Uh, you can certainly visit the website if you want to. Uh, anyone can call me directly. Uh, my cell phone number is widely available. You can call me. You can text me. Because, um, again, sometimes it may be a weekend or I may be, you know, doing the podcast and not at my desk to answer the phone. Uh, but at least I always have access to that. And you can certainly uh, email us directly. So Steve and I, um, as, as Dr. Jane certainly knows, we are firmly entrenched in this business and want to be as readily available as possible, uh, even if that's, you know, kind of awkward hours. So you can DM us on social. I will get back to you. Um, so... Whatever your preferred method is, uh, we can work with that. Yeah, because, you know, just to follow up on that, you know, we understand that a lot of the information that we're sharing here gets a little confusing. You know, there's a lot of different options. There's different variables. There's different opportunities that you can choose. The best thing to do is to get in touch with somebody here at the, at the clinic and be able to talk through what your concerns are, what the best fit would you, with you would be, mm-hmm. and, and we're just we're here to help you guys out. So, um, you know, actually giving Amber a call or going through the website. When you go to the website, there's an easy, um, there's a whole COVID section and you can actually just sign up and we'll, we'll contact you um, that day. Um, but our phone numbers are on there as well. And you can actually give us a call and we'll talk through it with you. You know, it's one of the advantages of being a community-based research center is we're not this giant behemoth uh, organization that you have to go through all these different channels to actually reach somebody to have a a legitimate conversation with a human. And, you know, we're all here in the community together and we want to work with you to find the the best, um, the best option for you in your situation. Thank you so much for that, Stephen Amber uh, and Dr. Jane. Recently, you've expanded more into the community by opening up your your new offices over at 5113 North Clark. So we are also expanding um, more into Andersonville. Uh, With that expansion and since the beginning of COVID, uh, you've really had to think fast on preparing your offices for folks to come in and uh, really make sure that everything is safe and uh, sanitized. Can you uh, talk a little bit about the procedures that you do at your offices so folks, when they come in, they know what to expect. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll, Amber and I kind of share this one a little bit. You know, um, it is something that we took seriously from the, the very beginning. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we were open during the whole stay-at-home order. And at that time, we implemented the strictest policies here. Um, we were at the forefront of actually using temperature measurements before coming to the clinic. But even before that, calling, talking to people on the phone and explaining if you're having symptoms, don't come to the office and, and that sort of things. But even when you come into the clinic, we do a lot, we take the added extra step of making sure we're wiping down things before people walk into the room, wiping them down when they leave the room. 
you know, the, a lot of there's a lot of questions out there whether surface contact is going to be ways to spread the virus or not. We don't take any chances. We swipe down everything, as we always have, but we're doing it in front of people so they can see us. We'll make sure that everything is clean as possible. So we took all those precautions into place, and then we actually thought to ourselves about, you know, there's all this, you know, airborne issue, and, you know, the virus could be shedding in the air and circulating around. So, you know, we took the added um, step in kind of a significant expense, actually, um, very significant, to actually redo our entire ventilation system um, within our clinic. So we actually replaced our ventilation system with HEPA filters, and we have UV light filters. So every time there's an air circulation, not only is the air being filtered, it's being zapped with UV light to actually kill any of the viruses that could be flying and flying around. And we also put portable HEPA filters into different rooms, and so we're getting close to six times circulation of air um, through each of the rooms our, our patients are in. And that's at the level of where you're going to see in an emergency room or in urgent care centers and that sort of thing. So we did that at our main clinic here, which, you know, not only is it keeping our, our patients safe, it's actually keeping our staff safe as well. And so when we started doing these COVID trials, we thought to ourselves, hey, we, can, we would safely be able to bring patients, COVID patients, into this clinic. But then we thought to ourselves, just from a perception standpoint and from just the utmost safety, we decided to open up a clinic that was separated from our, our main location, which would be directed for any of the patients who actually do have COVID symptoms. And that's why we decided to open up the 5113 North Clark um, Center. It's, it's certainly a lot smaller um, than, than our, our main headquarters here, um, but we did take the added step in that facility in increasing the ventilation and actually we put those same UV light and HEPA filters into that other facility as well so that when people are there they're getting the same air circulation that we really need and the actual um, cleansing of the air as, as well. So it was actually a decision that we made and, and we decided hey we're, we're going to go all in on this thing and do things the, the right way and the safest way for our patients and for our, our staff. So that was kind of the impetus behind uh, opening up that center. Did I miss anything there, Amber? No, I'm amazed you got through that without, you know, shaking and talking about the investment. So it was a, it was a big investment, but it just goes, worth it. It talks about our commitment to, to our patients and to our, our family here. Um, and one thing I'll just point out, you know, that office, we actually limit the number of staff that go to that office. So we don't, we don't want unnecessary people being in that environment. So, so we actually do most of the work here. And then when we're actually doing one-on-one -on -one patient care, we do staff that office to, to help patients. So the office, as you walk by, it might seem like it's not full all the time. It might be that we're in the back rooms with patients and that sort of thing. Um, it's just that we don't have as, as large of a volume there. And we try to keep people as separate as possible through the whole social distancing. Excellent. I can't wait to do a walkthrough with you and um, get the inside. I can't wait to swap you, David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, David's going to uh, do a live COVID swab test for us. Maybe not live, but a, a recorded Instagram TV swab test. So more on that forthcoming. Um, yeah. And I know that uh, Great Lakes has recently, so this sort of is what Amber alluded to. So um, we're really excited that um, to be partnering with Great Lakes and all, all of you on more of a monthly recurring basis. 
um, kicking off this month. So this episode is airing here at the beginning of October. Um, but I know that in September, and David, this question's equally for you because you have been involved from the chamber end. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about this campaign that we're launching called Keep Andersonville COVID Safe and what bi-monthly testing for industry folks looks like? So as the business uh, services director at the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and talking to a lot of the folks who uh, own businesses, their employees, uh, even uh, community members, it's extremely important that we continue to provide safety measures for the folks that you interact with on a daily basis. So um, this winter, especially, uh, teaming up with folks like Great Lakes Clinical Trials um, and our health and wellness network throughout Andersonville, bringing together these events where you can get tested on a bi-monthly basis, uh, possibly getting flu shots, um, learning who your local health professionals are. Uh, I feel like we can get this through this really um, Chicago winter together um, onto the other side. And it's with folks like uh, Amber, Steve and Dr. Jane that um, together as hum humans, we can uh, support each other and make sure that we're all doing okay. Yeah, so one of the things that we're really excited to partner with the Chamber on is, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, it proactively, you know, works with the Rest Illinois Restaurant Association to offer uh, both PCR as well as antibody testing um, with a different lab partner, uh, which is excellent. You know, I, I commend you all for doing that. Uh, and I believe that it's also being opened up to, you know, anyone in the community. I mean, we have, you know, retail workers here and you know, not only bars, restaurants, the health and wellness sector, you know, individuals who are, you know, in a small enclosed room with individuals giving facials and massages and all that fun stuff. So we're kind of taking that a little further and we're going to have you know twice a month here at Great Lakes Clinical Trials to offer. We can schedule them out. Um, you kind of pick your time slot, like you've been previously been doing, and we offer you the diagnostic test when you come here. So you will get your results within two days for free, for free, which is wonderful. Um, and again, is there's no insurance required. Even if you didn't have insurance, we don't need to work with through the CARES Act or anything like that. Everything we do, obviously, because it benefits, um, you know research uh, is completely cost-free. And this does not mean that you're joining a clinical trial. <laughs> this means you're getting a free test and ultimately, to Dr. Jane's point, it's all about the testing, testing, testing. And you're going to be able to kind of contribute to that as well. So I think it's a win-win all the way around. Yeah. And we look forward to welcoming you to our clinic. If I have one more person that's like, oh, the blue awnings at the corner of Foster and Ashland, I'm. <laughs> I just want to throw something. So I'm excited to have everyone be able to come here and kind of see what we do. It's a little peek behind the curtain. Right. And, you know, we we said at the beginning of the, the podcast, but we're just so fortunate to have the chamber as being the kind of the conduit to getting the message out to all the businesses in the um, the community. You've been a, a staunch supporter of all the businesses. Um, and since we're just one of these businesses, we try to get our message out to, to folks and let people know what we do. Um, but sometimes that's, that's challenging and so having the the power of the the chamber behind us to be able to have this whole campaign about keeping our community COVID safe is just really music to our ears and we're just really happy to be to be part of this so thank you
Absolutely. And I think David was also working on the information specifically about October's uh, dates will be, I think it's Thursday or Friday this week. So keep an eye out on those inboxes and social. Right. And actually, another thing, can I go off topic for a second? Yeah. Dr. Jane, while I have you here, I would just love your medical perspective. Um, you know, some people really tweak out when they hear the word vaccine trial. Um, do you have anything to kind of talk about that in terms of, you know, the importance of it, the types of research that's being done, what's being looked at and why? Because uh, we do have a few of them coming up. and. If our social media is any indication that we did, I had to add MAGA as a as a banned word list on our page. I couldn't believe it because we posted something about upcoming vaccine trials. So politics aside, people definitely have opinions. So let's set it straight, Dr. J. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's just about following the science and not following, uh, you know. Uh, uh, cable news, um, you know, the, the cable news isn't going to get us out of this pan pandemic, but science will. So yeah, there's a number of vaccine candidates. I think a lot of people are surprised to know um, just how many vaccine candidates are out there. Um, there's a really great review on Twitter that I'm going to pull up right now as we speak, but I think it's really, really well done. Um, it's actually a virologist. His name is Florian. F-L-O-R-I-A-N is his first name. And then Kramer is his last name. And he's a virologist out of New York City. He's an amazing Twitter follow. I get uh, a lot of my um, up-to-date uh, COVID vaccine information from him. And he recently wrote an article for Nature, which is one of our most prestigious uh, journals within medicine, uh, really highlighting the different vaccines uh, that are that are in study. And I think it's really important to understand there's not going to be one miracle vaccine that that's going to just, you know, kind of come out of the out of the blue. It's going to really take a lot of study and there's going to be pros and cons to different vaccines that are coming out. So there was actually an article, I think it was in the Times this morning that um, you know, some of the these early vaccine candidates, the two big early vaccine candidates, actually, because they're trying to develop them so, uh, so much more quickly, um, actually have a lot of logistic issues around actually um, being able to, um, uh, you know, distribute and administer the vaccine on a widespread basis. So I think there's going to be a need for a lot of different vaccine candidates. And so, you know, obviously, without getting too political on this issue, uh, vaccines uh, save lives, uh, vaccines create adults. I think uh, most of us as uh, clinicians feel strongly about that. And, you know, really there's not going to be a perfect medication or a perfect treatment, you know, beyond testing and trying to kind of suppress the numbers of the virus, really to get back to normal, we're going to need um, a, a vaccine, you know, and, and to, to kind of not just get life back to normal for us, but, our grandparents, our kids. Um, and so I think the importance of it is, is definitely there. Um, there is a lot of safety monitoring in any vaccine study. So again, without getting too political, um, you know, the FDA really does provide quite a bit of oversight historically, and, and I, I expect that to continue on vaccines. And all these studies have something really important called data safety monitoring boards. So they have boards that are really um, uh, 
assessing the data continually as it's accruing and are ready to jump in and, and stop, um, you know, a, a, a vaccine or, or a medication for that matter, if there's a dangerous signal seen. So is there uncertainty in life? Yeah, of course there is. There's, uh, you know, I could walk on Clark Street and maybe get hit by a bus, but I still walk on Clark Street. So there's definitely uncertainty, <laughs> but in terms of getting, getting us out of this pandemic, you know, in, in a more global perspective, it's, it's really going to be these vaccines. Um, and, you know, I've had some of friends and colleagues, healthcare providers tell me they're going to be the first in line to sign up for a vaccine trial. And it's because of that, you know, sense of, of um, responsibility. And, and we just want to, you know, really um, make a difference in, in a positive direction. And so I think for anyone who's wondering how they can make a difference in this pandemic, and especially if you're, you know, healthy, don't have as many comorbidities, um, you know, this is a really great way to, to be involved and, and to make a real difference. Hey, Dr. Jane, where are those colleagues gonna go to for their uh, research study? <laughs> Oh, what 100%. We're going to line we're going to line them up uh, on uh, Ashland and Foster or actually on Clark. I say, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Jane. So, Dr. Jane, I don't know if you've ever done a costume with uh, Stephen Ander, but you folks kill it every time that there's a costume involved. And I want to know, um, what is the craziest and best Halloween costume that you've come up with? Or it doesn't even have to be Halloween, event costume. Um, and what are you going to do for Halloween this year? We want to say, Dr. Jane, you want to go? We'll let you go first, Dr. Jane. I'll, I'll, I'll break the ice and jump in. Um, I would say, you know, I'm sure you guys saw the pictures of uh, Steve and Amber uh, dressed up as, as clowns for the uh, – for the uh, uh, recruitment, the community uh, recruitment for uh, some of the COVID studies. I would say the best Halloween costume I've ever done was with my now wife, who is also a, a physician, she's an oncologist, and we dressed up as clowns, which you might say, well, that's not that big of a deal. But this was back in our younger and cooler days. And uh, I remember growing to uh, this is a Chicago callback here, uh, going to Crowbar late night, dressed up as clowns, and uh, it, it went about as well as, as, it, uh, as you would expect. So I, I would say that is my, uh, my uh, probably best Halloween costume memory. Uh, in terms of what we're going to do this year, you know, uh, I've got two young kids, so probably some uh, permutation on Frozen and, you know, there's going to be an Elsa and an Anna and, a, and an Olaf and, you know, the, the, something around that. That's a, that's a pretty safe bet in the uh, Jane household around Halloween. <laughs> Fantastic. Amber. <laughs> well, it's no secret. I'm a complete nerd. Uh, so I've done the gamut of any type of, you know, cosplay out there, whether it be comic book or Star Wars related. So um, I think my all-time favorite one, though, was probably I was in grade school and I had just had like my little cloak on to be a Jawa, but I kind of figured out how to get the glowing eyes, you know, and I thought that that was the coolest thing ever to go trick or treating with. So that was what I was probably most DIY proud of in my younger years. 
I don't know. How about you, Steve? Well, you know, it's, you know, dressing up is in one of my uh, second natures. I'm for those that don't meet don't meet very well. I'm actually a Burning Man uh, guy, so I have costumes and outfits for days. In fact, my husband and I have a uh, a costume closet where we just kind of store things away. So at any given moment, we could actually uh, whip out a costume and, and kind of have, call it a day. Um, you know, one of my favorite ways to dress up, David. I'm going to throw a little plug here to the chamber is at the Viking Pub Crawl. And uh, Viking up, dressing up as a Viking and walking down the streets and uh, celebrating and everything Swedish is one of my favorite things to do. But, you know, going back to like Halloween and that sort of thing, probably dressing up as a bunch of grapes and having balloons, all, like as a kid and having balloons all attached to me, sounds like a great idea. And I was, I was with the purple kind of grape, which was kind of cool. Um, but it doesn't bode well for getting through doorways and all that stuff. It turned into a little bit of a mess. But um, that was probably one of the more memorable ones. But uh, who knows? Maybe this year we'll come up with something even bigger and better than that. And we do dress up here at the office for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> well, I was trying to jump in and say you're in luck, Steve, because we are still figuring out how to do the Viking Pub Crawl this year. Yes. In yes. November 14th. Yep. November 14th, we're going to have folks dress up in costume to pick up their Viking pub crawl libations to bring back home and enjoy safely inside or outside <laughs> with their own residence. You are on. You are on. Done. I love it. <laughs> We're well, also going to host on Halloween on Catalpa uh, a fun little event for kids to uh, hand them out candy and pumpkins and some uh, candy apples in a socially distanced and safe way. So we hope to see you there. You know we will be. We'll We're be totally there. on board we'll <laughs> We'll, we'll bring the big top. Yes, please do. Well, thank you, Steve, Amber, and Dr. Jane for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Great Lakes Clinical Trials, please visit greatlakesclinicaltrials.com. And show notes from today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. And I promise you, we will do our best to capture the essence of this episode in show note form. But because there is so... Um, much technical information as well. We really encourage you to listen, which hopefully you are now listening as we speak. <laughs> so thank Great. you all. Great, thank you. Well, I appreciate Thanks it. So thank much. you all for so coming. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, Please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.